0: Not that I was great at all of those things by any means, but being able to understand the holistic nature of the business yeah. and the relationship part of the business, both internally and externally, like being an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur yeah. has helped me understand the bigger picture. And again, not that I always get it right, and sometimes I can have my blinders on. Mm-hmm. Da,
1: da, 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 da. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here and you are listening to the lead with your brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I cannot believe it is the end of the year and I hope you are having a magical and awesome holiday season. We've got another great show for you today. We have the CEO of soul site, Jim. Petrozinski joining us today. But before we get to Jim, let's talk a little bit about your brand. Now, if you know me, you know I love the holiday season because it's all about a complete experience. And you know what? I have been out shopping at the malls and going to a whole bunch of holiday parties and checking out places like Disneyland that is filled with fun and decorations and holiday spirit. And the thing that really strikes me about going to all of these places is everything's really about the holidays. most likely Christmas. But everybody and every place executes it in its own way. And it really got me thinking that that is all about your brand filter. If you have a unique point of view and a unique brand, you can do something that everyone else is doing, but execute it in a way that is uniquely you. So, for example, when I'm walking through the mall, it's interesting to see how every single store and every single brand celebrates the holidays in a little bit of a different way. Now, at the end of the day, It's all about season's greetings and Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah and Happy Holidays and all of those things, but Every single brand is showing up in a unique and different way. So it made me even start thinking about myself and looking out at what my friends do, right? You know, for me, I have a brand that's all about being Hollywood and a showman and a storyteller and a super connector. And then when I look around my home, right, I've got a 14-foot Christmas tree that's all decorated in, you guessed it, Hollywood Regency style with white Jonathan Adler porcelain ornaments and silver bulbs and lightly frosted. And it's all elegant and glamorous and feeling exactly how I want to show up on brand. And then when I turn and look at my menorah, I have a spectacular porcelain and gold peacock menorah from Jonathan Adler that makes me feel like it's completely unique and different, yet still celebrating the holidays. And you know what? I've gone over to some other folks' homes that are really welcoming and warm and down to earth. And that's what they decor looks like. So it really made me remember that your brand is all about how you bring your unique point of view to something that can be completely common. So I challenge you not only during the holidays, but as we approach 2024, how can you take anything that comes to you in your career and make it uniquely you? At the end of the day, we all do tasks that anyone can do. And quite frankly, at our companies, there's a lot of people that have our same job and are asked to do the same types of projects and tasks. What's important is that you show up and execute it in a uniquely you way. Well, I am super excited about today's show. I have Jim Petrozinski, the CEO of SoulSight, which is a brand design agency with over 30 years of experience in building emotive brands that move. Jim's work spans iconic brands and channels driven by creativity and deep understanding of human needs. He's fostered breakthrough innovation through collaboration and honesty. Jim draws inspiration from human truths and an empathetic approach, offering compelling creative thinking. He's worked with global giant brands like Kraft Heinz, Coca-Cola, and Pfizer, earning recognition from prestigious awards. We'll be back in a few moments with the CEO of SoulSight, Jim Petrozinski. And we are back. I have a fabulous guest with us today. It is Jim Petrozinski, the CEO of SoulSight. Jim, what is going on today?
0: All good. I feel grateful. It's uh, the time of year to start thinking about you know, all the great things that have happened throughout the year and reflecting
1: back. So Jim, let's talk a little bit about SoulSight. When you are out meeting people, how do you describe uh, SoulSight and the work that you all do?
0: Great question. So we describe ourselves as a full service brand design agency. We're our, we're positioned. Actually, we just are coming out with a new positioning that is focused on the fact that we build emotive brands that move. And mm. I love ending with that verb because move people. Obviously, marketers want to move product, but also move culture. So yeah, the word move can be interpreted in you know many different ways also like in as it relates to emotion is it moving me to as am i getting a not in a perverted way but am i getting aroused by this you know by this brand or is this brand enticing me to be interested um is i love the 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 connection there with that um and our i would say the other thing that we talk a lot about too and then there's a whole couple sentences about how we work with connecting human insight to, mm. um, the, the human insight or the human need to the product truth. And how do we bring those together to, to, to work? But that gets, that's the double click in, that, um, sometimes we don't get to, and I think the, the, the type of work we do is began primarily in the consumer package, good space, um, yeah. but we have evolved into us for that full service branding agency to be able to service brands at at the center and the way we think about packaging as important as it is as an artifact of something that will live forever um it's uh it's an extension of how you experience something it's not the only i mean there, i guess I, I assume there are some brands that only appear on shelf but for the most part in today's world brands have multi-different levers that they pull in the brand world to expect to have an experience with consumers
1: how did you get into brand design in the first place
0: so uh, i've been with soul 25 years yeah uh started this business with a woman owned was a woman owned business started working with the first hire uh again it was a, more focused on consumer packaged goods and we were in this mentality of, I had such a great experience in college working with colleagues that were honest and super constructive, critical in a great way, and I could trust that they're in my they had my best interests. And I, I had worked at two previous agencies before um, coming to SoulSite, and I thought, why can't that work in the professional world? Like I think we would yield better results. We would yield. Um, better relationships, better culture. And um, Ann Warner was the founder of the business. Um, She's happily retired now. Um, And then as we continue to grow as a business, all of a sudden, these boutique clients we had that were maybe Fortune 1000 companies turned into Fortune 500, turned into Fortune 100 companies. And as we dug deeper into understanding more and more about, the aspects in which the brand has to live and the experience in which it has to live just naturally drew us into the strategically thinking about that the brand, in order to be effective, has to live at the center. And we need to pull ourselves away from just an execution. Even though a lot of times projects start with package because that's the moment of the truth. Yeah. You got to pull yourself back to the... What is the real story? What's the purpose that we're working towards? And sometimes levy back and forth to make sure that we're staying on track. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And now, Jim, you've been there for 25 years. And obviously, now you're the CEO. So talk to me, when you look back over the past quarter of a century, what have been some of those key moments that jump out to you as sort of big inflection points or career breakthrough moments for you on your journey to be the CEO?
0: Great question too. I think the one, the one piece that sticks out to me, and it is more human and it is actually interesting because it's a little bit of a dichotomy from design, which was in very insight driven. So uh, we were doing insight work with one of our clients. Luckily, lucky to have the same client for 20 years. Um, this was probably around 10 years ago. I was on an ethnography uh, that was in three different cities. But the last city we stopped in was actually in LA and we were in East LA. And we were trying to work with the innovation team to develop a product that could compete with the beer that young Mexican-American men drink. Mm. And there's an insight there that most Mexican-American men only drink beer that's made in Mexico. They don't like to drink domestic beer, especially when you're in Southern California. So we went on... a these ethnographies where people allowed us in their homes to sit with yeah. their families. And in East LA, you know, the perception of the pit bull and the chain link fence was there. But then once you got in the door, there was all this love from the family that came like grandma was there making us mm. dinner. They were sharing, like sharing, there was cousins that came over to help us understand and friends to understand how they live. Um, baby crying in the bedroom in the back. I mean, a very small casitas type home where you have almost two or three generations of family that come together every night. Yeah, have dinner, and it changed me to think about the human science of all of the experiences that we deal with and yeah. how those shape how we think about brand in general. Yeah, and how we think about people and where they come from and. We talk internally. We have a, a group that we call uh, Thomas um, Campos. He's one of our teammates. He um, came up with this notion called the playground, where we get together and talk about what dif- what different people's life... A lot of, a lot of storytelling. What were dif- are different people's life experiences? And there's usually a topic. And there's it's it's a safe place. So anything goes. You can ask questions anything to do with like, you know, we've had a couple that were based around diversity and inclusion or around pride or around different areas where people are, you know, there's questions that like conversations have to be had in order to gain the knowledge to move on and learn and grow and participate. And those moments for me have been those pinnacle moments of really like having discussions and listening to um, other people have discussions have, I think, prepared me to be a better listener as a CEO and not be the one to jump in right away with telling all the time. Yeah. Like listening in order to be able to react or be proactive and reacting in the right way that it's going to, you know, it's going to be absorbed in the right way. And, you know, you can, I still catch myself making mistakes at times. We all have, you know, we're all dealing with our own emotions inside and what's ever going on personally or, you know, or have bad days. But, um, I think it's given some, you know, I, I call it being virtuous. Like Mm -hmm. how do I think of myself as being as virtuous as possible? And that's really hard. I mean, like that's, you know, like, Living with virtue is probably one of like the hardest things that you could possibly do, but I'm up for the challenge.
1: Yeah. So, Jim, talk to me how How did you just become the CEO? What's the story?
0: I think I'm the last man standing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, I you know I, titles really don't never meant much to me. I often said you could call me t- call me anything. I can be the custodian, and I think. I've worn every single hat you can wear. I have taken the garbage out. I still take the garbage out. Like it's not, you know, there's nothing beneath me because I've I've seen people work really, really hard. And the title of a CEO, I would say, some people will probably not like me saying this, but I think it's being redefined and and redefined over and over again. So to get to this point, I think I've had the experience of being a designer, being a creative director, starting a strategy team from you know, having no strategy team at all, starting an account management team. I've even done the finances at one point. Yeah. So I've had... Not that I was great at all of those things by any means, but being able to understand the holistic nature of the business yeah and the relationship part of the business, both internally and externally, like being an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur, yeah. has helped me understand the bigger picture and again, not that I always get it right and sometimes I can have my blinders on <laughs> but if you surround yourself with the right people to tell you, you know let's look at it a different way and you can be adult enough and mature enough to listen and You may just, you may end up disagreeing, but the listening point, I can't stress enough is so important as in leading the team because it gives people the, the validation that they matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And for you, what is the hardest part about being a CEO and being much further away from the roll your sleeves up and actually do the design work? I
0: think it's exactly that, right? It's exactly... I love design. I love designing. I felt like I was... That was one thing that that was a huge confidence builder, seeing your work get chosen and being able to present it and seeing it on shelf and being part of it. But I miss that immensely. But in another way, seeing, seeing it come to life and just sitting in on meetings and seeing how things are developed look even more strategically now than when I was working on it on things. Uh how beautiful, like again, it goes back to the beauty and how like how beautiful the different interpretations that come out of a brief um is the fun part for me. You know, and yeah. it, so reconciling that with is just being a reconciling the fact that I can't be involved anymore on the on, in the day to day and be in the weeds, the relationship part of it for me has really taken place of that. And mm-hmm being and and really trying to develop authentic relationship where they're business relationships, but we have each other's back. We're Like, you know, I have your back if something, you know, a, a CMO is back or a vice president's back or director's back and and they know it. Like call like call here's my here's the bat phone. Like call me if you need anything, you know. Yeah. And I truly care. Like I truly want them to succeed. And um being able to like what's really Awesome is to you work when you work with someone that's a director for you know three to six years or seven years, and you see them become the CMO of a Fortune One hundred organization. it's I feel just as excited for them as they probably are for themselves, you know it's yeah, like we, it's like well, I was with you along that journey. like it's so amazing, you know and and, yeah. not, and again, not taking credit for any of it, but like, just
1: to see the development and that journey. Jim, we've been talking all about your career, but let's flip gears and talk a little bit about your brand. How would you describe your style and your brand as an executive?
0: Yeah. So it's interesting. So, like first, I'm going to start with how I describe myself. So yeah. I want, I want to first of all seem as approachable as possible. Like there is, mm. there have been people in my life that have told me. You are kind of intimidating looking. And I'm it always it always surprises me. I'm like, where is that coming from? Because I feel the least like the least intimidated person in the world. Yeah. And I I mean, I think I was naturally born hypersensitive, like emotionally, yeah. Um, people pleaser, um, mediator, um, intuitive, I think. I have like this weird intuition about not, I don't get it right all. It's hundred percent of the time, but I have a good intuition about um, people and who they are. Yeah. Um, cu- being curious, like curiosity, just like ask, constantly asking questions, um, passionate, you know, about whatever I'm doing and, but also very impatient about what I'm doing knowing that nothing's ever perfect. Right. So, um, yeah, so yeah, I would say that that kind of describes more of like the character of who I am. Um, yeah. I think from a values perspective, uh, I would describe myself as... There's three words, actually, and I had a milestone birthday. So I had them tattooed on my the inside of my arm um, with a pencil sword. It looks like a pencil sword that I designed. I'm a des- I have a design background. Yeah. And it, the words are truth, goodness, and beauty. Um, Ooh. I don't know if you're... And those words help describe the values that I can reflect on every day. I look at myself getting ready in the morning. Um, and the funny part is it's a sword and my wife said, you're the least likely person that I would ever imagine would have a sword tattoo. But if you've ever, you've heard the, I'm sure you've heard uh, the Shakespeare. Why then the world is mine oyster. Like, mm. you know, like the world is my oyster. Yeah. The, the second half of it people don't often hear is with I with sword shall open. So the sword is kind of like a, you have to open up that opportunity it yeah. just doesn't like happen upon you it's not you know it's not luck it's yeah you know there's a there's a level of investment and energy that has to go into seizing the world and making the world your oyster
1: talk to me about how truth goodness and beauty those three words how do you show up as those three words on sort of a daily basis with your teams and your clients and even your family
0: yeah. So I think it's the way I think about it is, and how do I listen? Mm. How do I live in the, like taking the moment before reacting? Yeah. Uh, taking the time to, you know, but that pause for just a couple seconds, even if it means like writing something down and then waiting for a break in the conversation to see if what I need to say is even relevant. I do meditate quite often, even if it's only for like five or 10 minutes a day to just get that space alone to like clear the brain, just got back into running. I had an injury and being able to run releases some of that. And I think that's sort of meditative on itself. So I'm not a competitive runner, but more of a just good get that cardio in to keep uh, (laughs) this old heart pumping. Um, (laughs) And I think there's a high level of like with that too, it sounds like a high level of empathy, right? Like, yeah, being able to listen, to learn, um, having an an extreme level of integrity, which sometimes can come back to bite me in the butt because I can be, I guess I can make you judgmental at times. Um, But then that's the self-awareness piece, right? Like always being self-aware, being brave uh, and respecting anyone's opinion, whether it's the checkout clerk or the bus driver or, you know, my business partner, you know, like they, everyone has value in this world. Um, and I think that's just important to, to consider, um, you know, something I'm trying to impart. I have two children, so try start trying to impart that on them as they grow too. Um, which kind of makes you having children for me, tr- maybe really think deeper about like, what are, what are these values that I hold and what mm. are the ones that I feel are important to transfer onto my son, Leo and my daughter, Ava.
1: Yeah. And and so as a dad of young, young kids, walk me through that kind of process of actually evaluating your own values so that you could impart them on them.
0: Well, I think you have to. So most of it is living by example, that mirroring effect of like seeing what you put out in the world coming back in. And then when you see others that you either work with, um, co- co-workers, partners, friends, you see you see, when you see that, when you start seeing the good kind of spread, um, it's, it's inspiring.
1: Now, Jim, talk to me because I've heard people sh- share variations of truth and goodness as sort of values or brand descriptors for themselves, but I don't think I've ever heard anyone use the term beauty. Talk to me about how that word resonates for you.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So it's interesting because this era of, you know, does it sound masculine to have beauty tattooed on your arm? <laughs> I'm, I mean, there's beauty all around us, and I think it's just how you interpret that beauty. You tend to focus you can tend to focus on what's not right? Yeah, what needs to be fixed, or you can focus on the beauty. And oftentimes in design, we say there's such beauty in the imperfection, you know, there's mm. such beauty in the, our differences. There's beauty, and of course, aesthetic as the aesthetic for me is important. Like beauty is important to me. And I want to come home to a beautiful home, you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not superficial saying that I have the trophy wife, but I will say she's a trophy wife just in case she hears this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, but the, I mean, the beauty of the moment, the be- like it, it's transferred into many different iterations. And what's very interesting to me is, and I'll give you a, a little bit of a story. My I was born prematurely with a. I have a twin brother, um, and had to be transferred to a hospital. This, you know, right when I was born, because they didn't have life-saving devices to save a child that was born with Highlands membrane, which is a, where lungs aren't developed enough to, yeah. to breathe. So I had to be incubated uh, for. I think that's the right terminology for a couple, a few. It may have been a week or so, but there was no at the time <laughs> the hospital I was born at. This sounds nuts was not going to send me to a hospital that could actually save my life unless there was cash to pay for the ambulance. Oh my gosh. So my cut, my, my grandfather happened to be in the waiting room with all the other dads at that time where they were not allowed in the delivery room. And my dad didn't have enough cash to pay for the, for the ambulance. Oh my my grandfather, my grandfather did. So my grandfather's Leo my son's named after him so there's like there there was a special bond form with him where that I didn't even know was happening until I was conscious enough to to know and to describe him he was a big guy like yeah intimidating big guy and uh and timid, like like and a know-it-all kind of like <laughs> you know like <laughs> my brothers and sisters I think were slightly afraid of him but there was I had no reservation like, as as sensitive as I was, I had no reservations of sitting down with him mm. and um and as sensitive as 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 like intimidating and massive as he was, there was such beauty in like the craftsman mm. type things he would be working on. you know he made my sister dollhouse furniture he yeah. taught me he taught me how to draw he showed me we would and ironically, we would draw elephants, which mm. he was the huge dude like we're drawing elephants, you know, and I still remember to this day how those elephants make an impact. I'm like, and, and it all comes back to me as this is really, I mean, elephant is a, such a massive, beautiful creature with a yeah. beautiful, like beautiful brain and beautiful connection. Mm. So it kind of, a, it kind of comes from, from that. Now, unfortunately my grand, I didn't, I, I mean, I, I had the ability to spend a lot of time with my grandfather. I'm a hundred percent fourth generation Polish. And yeah, we stay, we stay together. I broke the mold, but we stayed, we stayed, we traditionally have stayed together very close to each other as far as extended family. So I got to see my grandfather very often. And um, at the age of 12, um, my, he passed away um, mm. suddenly. So, pr- relatively young, you know, um, did my grandfather pass away? But the amount, but, but some of those values that he brought with truth like he always like he's, he was one of those guys that said you can answer ask me any question but i'm going to truthfully tell you what i think you know he yeah. wasn't afraid to t- he's not afraid to sugarcoat it, wasn't afraid to sugarcoat anything and um i ex- as a being extremely sensitive like it was kind of this alter personality to something finding like where do i find the beauty and the softness in this like really amazing man that um is able to like ironically lead me into a career of design and and the arts you know and brand so um so yeah that's where beauty comes from I know it's a long-winded story it's you know it has many meanings but it's the one that i connect to my grandfather the most
1: yeah and it's interesting how much these experiences that we have in our childhood really shape our narrative and and our own brand story you know Jim, you're someone that focuses on visuals right all of the time. that that's sort of your your bread and butter. Talk to me about that image of the sword that you have tattooed, right? and unlocking something. How does that kind of represent you?
0: The sword is a reminder to give my to, to have that courage, but to be mm. to be authentically me. So yeah. it's a defense. like it's a strangely a defense. not that I'm gonna ast- not that I'm out stabbing people. The world, but it is a defense so for me to remember, like internally, have confidence in yourself, be who you are. you know it's as part of that mantra. if you know, not everyone's gonna like me, and I you know, I think everyone goes through a little bit of a phase of an imposter syndrome. yeah, you second guess, you you know who you are, why you're here, am I good enough? Should I am i am I effective? Does, am I valued? and i think you have some people that understand that mm-hmm. that can take advantage of you in those situations and try to manipulate situations in their favor and um the sword is just like that protector i need a shield on the other arm um, uh, yeah maybe that's the next milestone birthday right um <laughs> i think there's a um there's that notion of uh that dirty dancing like don't put baby in the corner like i have something <laughs> i have something to say Um, about, you know, I have something to offer and I have something to provide and I have something to give as well.
1: Now, Jim, you talked a little bit about imposter syndrome. Give me a a time when you, you know, felt like you weren't good enough or you weren't the right person. How did you actually work through that to tell yourself something differently so that you weren't taken advantage of or you weren't undervalued?
0: the times I've felt the most imposter syndrome is working at a new business, like going after meeting new people going after understanding their challenges, very meeting, very intelligent people, not thinking that I have, I don't have an MBA. I don't have a PhD, you know, like, am I worthy enough to be at, have a seat at this table. And I think through discussions and leadership of a lot of insight work, you know, working out in the, in the field, and coming back with the insights that we gained and learned, and people actually listening to me, and <laughs> and and under and like and evaluating a different perspective, and incorporating that into the creative to build something even better, made me start to gain some confidence that hey, um, maybe I kind of do know what I, I do see something. Not that I know everything, but there is there's value there and what I have to offer. And if it's not seen, then it's, you know, I think I have to just accept that sometimes and, um, accept. And I think some of that comes with age and maturity too, you know, Yeah, even at the age that I am.
1: Yeah. Now, Jim, you, you talked a little bit about, you know, you're not everyone's cup of tea and none of us are, but at, as an executive, as a CEO that runs a business, how do you handle it when you aren't someone's cup of tea? Or maybe, you know, even throughout your years in the design space, right? Everyone's got an opinion over, you know, what something looks like, right? Even those of us who are lay people and don't know anything about about design. How do you handle it when your style doesn't work for somebody else?
0: It's a very interesting question. I think... There's I think you have to be adaptable and flexible at some level and then like understand where the boundaries are mm. um I've been accused of crossing the boundaries many times and understanding sometimes you just need you need to start a little bit further away from further away than just like jumping right in and scaring people you know in terms of like getting too involved in what's going on or feeling like you're coming on too strong uh there is there is that notion of trust that I really that kind of value that I, that works around that for me a little bit, too, is where you have the ability to give trust like openly or have people earn trust. And I lean towards the side of giving away the trust and giving mm-hmm. away giving away the accountability and the the trust that whatever we're working on or whatever we're developing or whatever we're targeting. I'm going to trust that you have the capabilities of being able to do it. That's why, that's why we're doing this. And then it's, I think, I I think it's more rewarding than waiting to see if someone's going to prove you wrong, you know, or, or like, or the other end, like you got to build up that, you got to build up that trust in order to be able to, for me to trust you. Like, it's, it's just a better way for them to live and like with a more optimistic attitude. Um, The people that really don't get that, um, I think for the most part, organically, just, I think kind of like, or, or, or can organically just don't fit in, you know? And I yeah. think there's, and there, there's a place for everybody, right? There's like, not saying that any way, any one person's way is the right way, but people that don't totally get you at some point. And if you come to a point of, you just have to come to the point of respectfully disagreeing with each other and move on, you know, I yeah. think, um, it's usually the it's usually best for the bigger picture, the we and the the we's, the we and the entity of the agency, um, instead of the me. So, like taking that off of like personally owning it, but like thinking about this is a better decision for the entire com- the entire culture, since culture is so important, as you know, to agency life. Yeah, and I think when I talk about the evolution of a CEO, I think it is very much. You know the old the, the old way of thinking about leading with the iron fist to yeah. leading with understanding um, is again it's still a business. But if you don't lead with understanding, no one no one's on board with you to to get to where we need to be.
1: Yeah, and at the end of the day, right, your business is people, whether they're on your team or you're serving them, right, <laughs> Jim. Tell me, when you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: you know, I always wanted to be an artist. Like, yeah. I always wanted, like, and my, I think my parents thought, is is he going to make it in the world as getting a Bachelor of Fine Arts and graphic design? You know, like, is, is Jim really going to be able to, super, you know, make it <laughs> to support himself, but let alone... Hopefully Are we going to be supporting him, him for the day? rest of his
1: life? Um,
0: but, and not that they didn't have faith in me, I'm not saying that, but I just think that the, you know, it's not... At the time I was graduating from college, I don't I mean pe- people knew the word graph, people knew what graphic designers were, but I don't think they, the, the fully mature, the, the, the maturity of what a brand means was definitely not fully formed in my brain and let alone probably our market and our, and the culture and how we think about marketing.
1: Yeah. So, Jim, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because you've worked with global and iconic companies like, you know, Coke and Coors and Hershey's and all of these brands that we all know, right? Um When you are thinking about people's personal and professional brands, what are some things that you and your team do in sort of the brand design work for, you know, a packaged good or a corporate brand that you think people could implement and use as a tool for their own personal and professional brand?
0: Well, I think one of it is have a, what's your story? Like you asked Ernie earlier, like, what is your background? What is your story? And don't be, you don't have to be ashamed of it. And you don't have to share everything, but have something that you stand for, like have a purpose in life, you know, have something that you really can defend and say like, this is, this is me. I think brands are the same way. Like they have to survive. They only survive if they have a purpose. And if the execution isn't delivering towards the purpose, just like as we, as I speak to you, if I'm not living my truths and my purpose, it comes off as like inauthentic. So Authenticity to the to that is still a big uh, deal, and I know like authenticity was the word of the year ten years, probably maybe ten years ago. But I think it's it's important. I don't think it ever really went away. I think it's just people with in the age that we're in now, authenticity is even more important than I think it was ten years ago. Yeah. So I think that is super important. And then the other thing that we look at when we look at branding, especially iconic brands, it's not that you're we're making when you talk about yourself, we don't talk about making ourselves iconic, but it's okay to be different. It's okay to differentiate yourself. It's okay to, again, goes back to, it's okay to just be you instead of there's gonna, you know, there's no one else exactly like you in the other world. So why try to pretend you're somebody else? I often, I say, I'm not smart enough to be two different people. (laughs) This the same guy you get here talking on this podcast is the same guy you're going to get talking to on the couch or sitting at the sitting at a bar. Like I, I don't have the mental capacity to to change those dynamics.
1: Yeah, and you talked about being okay with being different, right? And that that's a key element of iconic brands is differentiation. What makes you different as a leader and a creative?
0: I think that the difference for me is probably my level of interest of the why, mm. digging more into the like, why, like, why, why did you choose that color? Or why, why did you like I even look at people too. like, I was, I'm fascinated with human science, by the way. Too, yeah. But I almost finished with a uh, minor in am- cultural anthropology. So I'm um, human science piece of it. And my psychology is super interesting. Maybe that will be something I study when I retire, but like why people make the choices they do, like, why did you choose those glasses? Like, why did you choose that haircut? Like there, there are a lot of times people can't explain that. And I think that's part of my, my drive over the next, you know, t- next 20 years of my career or whatever it might be is
1: We've been talking all about your brand. Uh, What is your favorite brand as a consumer? What can't you live without?
0: I cannot live without my Brooks. I don't know if you're familiar with the Brooks bicycle seat. Yeah. Well, they also make bags. I can't live without my Brooks bag. Like it goes everywhere with me when I travel to work back and forth every day. It goes on, you know, family car rides. It's my my man's big man purse.
1: Your big man purse. Now, now, Jim, tell me, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? A Jeep Cherokee. Ooh, and why? For one, I've always,
0: the grill of that, like the the older Jeep Cherokees, the, yeah. the, the iconic nature of the two round headlights, and it's a branding thing, right? Like the yeah. brand recognition is just amazing for Jeep. Um, I think I'm probably a Jeep aspiring to be like a Land Rover or Land Cruiser.
1: And finally, Jim, what's the best career advice you'd like to pass on to our listeners?
0: Uh, I would say always be pushing yourself to be a little bit uncomfortable in the unknown. Mm. And uh, I've said this before, but don't let anyone define who, your value for you. You define your own value. One last piece though, I guess. And this sounds. this might sound soft, it's really all about love. This is all about love. Like no matter which way you look at it, you got to love what you do. You got to love the people you're with and um, take care of each other.
1: Ooh, I love that. Well, Everyone needs to take care of each other. Uh, Jim Petrozinski, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your truth, your goodness, and helping us find uh, the beauty. If people want to learn more about SoulSight, where should they go?
0: SoulSight.com is the best place. Is our website um, to reach us.
1: Well, it was great talking to you. You have an amazing new year, and we will see you in 2024.
0: Same to you, happy, healthy holidays and the rest of the year.
1: And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Thoughts.
2: Thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level?
1: Well, what a spectacular conversation with Jim Petrozinski, the CEO of Soul Sight. I can't think of a better way to celebrate the holiday season than really thinking about what Jim said. It's all about finding the beauty in things. You know, that was so unique and core to his brand, not only as an artist and a creative, but also a leader. And it just made me think how important it is for us to find beauty in things and ourselves. You know, in a world that can feel so dark right now, I can't think of anything better than looking for beauty. And as you look forward to 2024, Don't get so focused on what you're not great at. Don't get so focused on the things that you're not good at. I want you to find the beauty in yourself. What are you amazing at? What makes you unique? And what are those amazing talents that you have that no one else can bring to the table? Let's focus on that beauty and focus on that being the tailwinds that are going to take you ahead so that you can lead with your brand and find your next career breakthrough in 2024. Well, that's our show for you this week. If you loved what you heard, make sure you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll bring you a brand new show every single week. Make sure to tune in next week when we give our 2023 year-in review show. Now, follow me on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, and I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn, where I share tons of tips and tricks on how you can lead with your brand. And most of all, and most importantly of all, make sure in your career, you aren't that boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you're that super premium brand like Starbucks.
2: You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.